Welcome to the Axis Effect Podcast, where you'll hear the most compelling, provocative, and real conversations with industry leaders and innovators in tech, sports, and entertainment with our host and CEO of well-known PR firm, Axis Entertainment, Sarah Miller. Hi, this is Sarah Miller with Axis Entertainment, your host. I'm here with my co-host, Marjorie DeHay. Hi, Marjorie. Hey, Sarah, how's it going? Really excited to talk to Tommy today. I know. I'm just laughing because we were late for our own podcast. This has been crazy, but I think it's an operation management thing in the past few days. So I'm super excited. We have Tommy Unolis, who is the CEO and founder of Ops Analytica. And I, I think like we're just laughing, Tommy, because all, you, you're replacing the big posties with more of a software or analytics of how to streamline management and operations from the top down. And like, I feel like we need you for the podcast to keep our guests rolling and to keep us moving so we don't make our guests wait like we did for you, but it's okay because I'm super excited you're here to talk about this. So welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me, ladies. <laughs> We get a very chatty music. When we start off, we're like, okay, we're rolling. But we get to our second, third podcast, the meeting of the day. It's just so funny. I love that you're on here because we were just chatting about operations management. And I love that you're at Marjorie's favorite place in LA, which was mine before I moved, which was the Grove. And there's so many retail stores there. And there is so much to talk about in retail because we've seen so many retail companies Hold, shut down chains of operations through the pandemic and haven't bounced back. And I, I, I know it is pandemic related. It is finance related. But then after looking at your site and talking to you, I'm starting to realize maybe a small portion of that has to do with lack of leadership and managing the operations from the top down, which might have prevented the close downs or at least more close downs that we should have had. Is that an accurate statement? I think so, for sure. I mean, have you ever been to a Macy's in December? It looks like you're in Beirut. You know what I mean? Like it's insanity in there. But that insanity is operations, right? Like that's not having a team in place that's paying attention, like versus Nordstrom's, right? Like Macy's versus Nordstrom's, which is not even really a fair comparison. But like, you know what I mean? Like that's operations. Like operations is putting clothes in order on the rack and having them tagged correctly and cleaning up wrappers off the floor and like just organizing things and making sure it's clean. There's sort of three tenets of operations at every business. I don't care if it's your dentist, you're getting an MRI, you're going to PF Chang's, you're going to the Grove. They all have to do three things. One, they have to be clean and inviting. Nobody wants to trade their time and money for a place that doesn't like respect them and make itself clean and inviting. Number two, they have to execute. I have to be able to go in and purchase what I want and then get that, whether it's a good or a service. And number three, speed of service, right? And it doesn't matter. Like speed of service is dictated on whatever business you're going to. You know, if you're going to Roost Chris, it's a two and a half hour meal. And if it's an egg McMuffin, it's a two and a half minute meal, but I expect it to be within that time frame that your brand promised me it would be in. And those are the three things that we kind of help our clients manage for themselves because they have systems and procedures. They've identified all this, but they have no easy way of pulling that through and executing it across thousands of locations. You know, well, isn't, isn't that really like, so? So if I own Bergdorf's or Neiman, I mean, obviously holidays are hectic people are throwing clothes or butting over sales and stuff and they're doing inventory you know let's talk about leadership i need to make sure 
protocol procedures are rolled out. I need to make sure all my stores, all my managers know what's going on. I rely on my VPs to communicate to the managers, to communicate to the directors, to communicate to the employees, so forth, so forth, so forth, because of how big or small my company is. But at the end of the day, is it really from the top down where I don't have the right analytical operations and software in place? Or does it come down to real time? Do we just have bad people who don't want to work? Because I can't force you to be somewhere to do something. I think the software helps keep everything efficient and things moving versus having posting notes and memos everywhere. But there's only so much control we have over humans in multi-locations. Walk us through ops analytics, because I love that you're saying what you're doing on the upside, all these areas that are critical to run a company, no matter if it's automotive, entertainment, theme parks or whatnot, it's still the same. Yeah. You have to be organized. But do you really feel if we were more organized from that top down, there would be less layoffs, less shutdowns, and then kind of walk us through how this works? Sure. So at the store level, the location level, they have 50 things, 100 things that they need to do every day to be clean and inviting, ready for guests to execute and able to do it in a timely manner. And corporates already identified all that. It's already hanging on the wall or on a checklist somewhere that they have. Their problem is, is that they're using a paper-based system in most cases, right? My biggest competitor is still paper. And so with paper, I can only see what's happening if I'm standing in your store as an above store leader. I can only help you if I'm right there looking at what's happening or not happening. But when you digitize that and put it into an app, with our app, you schedule out all the processes and it covers off on everything they need to do. And if people just go in and fill that out, now we know that at least they've been reminded of the 50 things they need to go do really quickly. And then I can be in another store as a corporate person and I can see what's happening in every store right on my phone. So I can then follow up with people. Hey, I noticed your opening checklist didn't get done. Or, hey, I noticed this thing's not working. What do you need help with? And they can start to like actually manage their business and not just react to bad things that happen. A lot of times corporate doesn't even know what's happening in their stores. They're relying on the managers. And if that manager is underwater, they're not going to bubble up and be like, hey, I suck. Everything's going off the rails over here. They're just going to wait till your sales were down in that location. They're going to be like, hey, what happened? You know? So they're they're constantly in this reactive state. We're trying to make them be at least in a real-time reactive state where they can see what's happening, they can follow up quicker, you know? And really, you have to remember too, most bad experiences that you have when you're going to a business, whatever business it is, it's usually one of those three things that I mentioned earlier, but it's usually a bunch of small things, right? It's very rarely to like the person at Bergdorf, like, throw you on the ground and start choking you and throw your clothes out in the sewer and like have the worst experience ever. It's usually death by a thousand cuts. It's they didn't have what I wanted. The floor was sticky. I went to wash my hands and there wasn't paper towels or, you know, like it's a bunch of little things that add up to just having a subpar experience, but you have enough of those subpar experiences in a row. And all of a sudden you change your, purchasing behavior. You go, well, every time I go there, they just kind of suck lately, you know? And so then I go, okay, I'm going to go try something else for a while. And that change of behavior, like 
it's really think about the company's perspective. They don't understand that you're having these bad experiences because they have no data. And are you going to take the time to fill out a survey? Probably not. Like 5% of people will fill out surveys, right? So you're just going to get mad over time. And then eventually you're just going to stop coming. And so a lot of times the activities that happen at the corporate level don't immediately reflect in a sales dip. But then when you finally do see it in a sales dip, it's because that many people have bad experiences over a period of time that now sales are going to really go down. And then trying to, you can take six months to see a sales dip, but it can take three years to get people back, right? Like, so that's what they're wrestling with. They don't have this real-time information about what's going on and they don't know. And then all of a sudden, boom, sales start dropping. And now you're trying to play reactive catch-up, come back, you know? And that's what we're trying to kind of help them get away from is just be able to manage it in real time so they can see what's actually happening and protect their brands. I feel like, you know, you're trying to get them to be proactive versus when you go up to a manager, to manager to manager, they're very reactive, trying to calm you down, trying to promise you this, promise you that when there's the smallest things they could have avoided yeah. being more organized. I was going to talk about like one of our, Sarah and I's favorite store is Target. And what I love about Target, Wait, you can, do we want to announce that publicly? Okay. Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> but you could go on the app beforehand. So you know if the product's in store. Once yep. you get there, if you think of a product, you can go on the app and it will tell you what aisle it is. It can price check. It can do all of these things. It can tell you the nearest store if it doesn't have it in this store. And I think that that's amazing because they don't have that, like obviously Macy's, uh, Nordstrom's pretty good, but like just the efficiency of that, if you want something, you want something yeah. immediately and you don't want to have to drive I all agree with her. It, it, it is a good target. We, yep. Yep. I agree. We do like target. And there is a reason why, because it makes it easy, but there are issues where, and I've been with you, Margie, where the app didn't work or there was the price was here, but it said it there, or you paid for yeah. this in advance, but it was here. And they don't have a good process. They felt because our app is so smart, you get what you need. But then when there is a glitch, like we're stuck with like, mm. come on, fix yeah. the problem. Tell us what you're going to do. And like, I think the reality is, is like, we all like, we're all so busy and we're all giant babies now. It's not like we're in the third world. Like we expect supply chain. We expect things to be here. We expect people to like be organized. Like that's your job. Just be organized, be clean. Give me my stuff. I don't care. Like nobody cares anymore. And I think delivery drove a lot of that too. Just like our lack of patience now that we have such a on-demand Amazon Prime delivery world. But like we're all giant babies. And like, and also we have more choices than any person in the entire world history has ever had. So if you blow it one time, I don't have to come back for a while. And I'm really personally, because I'm so frustrated a lot of the time with the places I go, I've moved from like a couple of times down to you piss me off one time, I'm punishing you for six months. Because <laughs> it doesn't affect me not to punish you. It, I can actually punish you very easily. I just won't come. You know, like it's not hard for me. I can get a burger in 50 places within a minute of my house. I don't need to go to your place, you know? Well, so what I like, so interesting you're saying this is because DoorDash, there's Uber Eats, DoorDash. I've always been second DoorDash. I've had issues with them. When I was in LA, I haven't seen it here since I moved to Scottsdale a few times. And it's funny because I'd always like, get all excited, go outside when Coco would come. And it's a little bit longer, but they send Coco. You get all these messages. Please go to your front. 
please put in this coat and Coco opens up. Then I'll sit there, pull the food out. And then I'll wait for her to go beep, 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 turn around. It says Coco on the side and chug along the street. And I'd always sit there, take photos, a little video of Coco. And then I always send them to Marjorie, like, look, Coco, because you're two blocks from me. Coco came over and Coco I won't love- come to me. I know, right? <laughs> I, I don't have that here. I don't I know what it is. I'm well, assuming it's, it's, it's like a bot. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, a, it's a robot. Like, yeah. I, with I, wheels I, and. Like big wheels, oh, really, potholes. And there's somebody monitoring. They're trying to figure out how do we get stream on the workforce? People are driving or whatever. How do we get Coco to deliver a few blocks in the radius, your food to you? And again, I, I, the reason behind, I think it's brilliant. I love that they're doing this. I, I think it's amazing. There's always a human behind on the GPS and sending you the app or the message say, hey, Coco's there. Please, you know, use this code and she'll open it. The reason behind that is built on technology, but, you know, it is replacing drivers and employment. It's more efficient. You have less mouthing off, less people calling in sick, less attitudes. But I mean, I think it's I, I love that. But to your point, I think that is a good use of management and operations to start relying and leaning into technology but again, I'm a Coco fan. They don't have that here in Phoenix, so I'm still waiting to see it. But I'm looking around on what you've been doing here. And I do love that you're streamlining this process. I do love, like you said, you got millions of places to go. Punish somebody. You have bad customer service. But this doesn't just contain to healthcare, food, groceries. This is airlines. This is theme parks. This is really a mass problem. And the bigger the company, you're just babysitting so much chaos and levels because is there any really good way to keep your pulse on a 10, 15, 20 country global company? Is software the answer for that? Or is it just really, like you said, figuring out how to streamline the management through your application and your technology for real-time data and keeping an eye on what's going on? I think technology is going to facilitate it, right? Because all these chains, all the big chains that we know today, they all grew up in between the 50s before iPads, right? So you don't have very few people, probably besides maybe Starbucks, you know, like made thousands of locations in the last 10 years, right? They all came up. Obviously, they want to run great operations. They just didn't have the technology available to them to do it. So they had to go, okay, I can't be in every location every day and have full visibility, right, on what's happening. So I got to do the next best thing. So everybody did a different model. They said, we will go to a memorization-based training model where we will train everybody, which is a huge expense when you have a lot of turnover because you have to go spend a week with somebody training them on how to do stuff, right? So then they went to a control model of we'll do training and we'll do paper process. And these chains have been able to grow to thousands of locations. I mean, McDonald's got 14,000 locations. Subway had 40, you know, Taco Bell, 7,500-ish, something like that. So they were able to grow to these massive chains with this sort of back into what's happening, right? Well, we'll, because they don't have any operate, like actual ops data. So they look at like KPIs, like sales or food costs, labor costs, or, you know, cover counts or customer sat numbers. They back into stuff. But now since the iPad, We've gone beyond that, right? We now have technology where you can see in real time, I can literally watch someone fill out a checklist from across the world and see what they're doing. So not that like area managers have time to watch every checklist being filled out at every restaurant, but they can use the reporting and the data to look for trends 
what stores are doing this, what stores are doing that. And then they can better utilize their time to be more effective at coaching the guys that are hurting and leaving the people that are doing great. Just let them go because they obviously have a better team in place or whatever. It is software for sure to facilitate this. But I also think, and this is what I'm waiting to see, is the the businesses to start going, hey, the human beings who came up during you know a time where you didn't have this technology to go, we can really blow it out of the water with technology like this. Question for you. Sure. Let's talk about healthcare for a second. Let's talk about putting in streamlined operations in healthcare when we all know human error costs lives. We all know that when we're doing MRIs, we're doing CAT scans, radiology, we're going through all this, how reliable are we on the human error versus technology? And I get what you're saying, no matter where you are, but it comes down, no matter how intelligent this technology is, it's coming down to human error to input the right information, the one that they know is needed to keep moving forward and for growth for anybody else. But in healthcare, there's a lot more at stake here than just missing a ride at Disneyland, Legoland, or not liking the burger that was brought out or just a rib. Sure. How is this helping the healthcare industry? So are you guys familiar with Atul Gawande? He's an author. He wrote the Checklist Manifesto. Amazing book. If you're looking for something to read in the car or listen to in the car, check out the Checklist Manifesto. He He's a Harvard surgeon and professor, and I think he was tapped at some point to run Amazon's healthcare. And he and he's got great TED talks on this. And the checklist manifesto is all a history of checklists, and we use a lot of checklists in our platform. But the whole book is about exploring the history of checklists, but also what they call the safe surgery checklist. And there's actually empirical data in there. They implemented this checklist to surgeons who, you know, like all people balked at it and said, we're too smart. We don't need checklists, blah, 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 blah. But they were able to show how just following like a two minute checklist before they started doing the surgery, how it reduced deaths and complications and infections like so high that eventually the data drove surgical adoption of it because the egos of the surgeons didn't want it. And he had a good point. He's like, it's not about education and it's not about, you know, the quality of the people you have or the training you have. The reality is, and this is what we help fight. Like one of our big things is we take the guesswork out of running the location, right? It's that we have too many details to manage. Like it used to be that we didn't like people to hadn't identified all the little traps now we've identified all the little traps. Plus we have 10,000 apps that everybody's having to use now. So like I wrote a blog about this, but like imagine the difference between running Mel's Diner because you're in Phoenix, right? Remember Mel's Diner from the 70s, Alice and Mel and Flo. Mel's Diner's in LA though. Well, I think- There is the, a Mel's Diner here, but like the show. Okay. Focused in Phoenix or whatever. Got it. But like that restaurant versus running that same diner today the manager would have 50 additional tasks to do because of all the different apps and the register and getting all the like, you know, blah, blah, blah. We have yeah. too many details to manage, period. And so you have to use systems 
to help people keep track of the details, whether that detail is just vacuuming the dressing room or it's turning on the MRI machine correctly and making sure it gets preventative maintenance on it every six months so it doesn't miss something. Like it's all the same stuff, right? Yeah. We're just overwhelmed with the sheer amount of details we have to manage. We, you know, we're outsourcing everything. We have a labor shortage. Everyone's on their stupid phone. Like, so like, which I mean, I'm guilty of it too, but like, you know, so nobody's actually paying attention in the moment and then details are getting missed. One other thing too, a tool Gawandi talks about is really important is a lot of these processes are all or nothing processes, right? Meaning like his example he uses, if I send you to the grocery store to go buy, get the ingredients to make a chocolate cake for dinner and you get everything perfectly except for one ingredient, then it didn't matter that you went to the grocery store because we can't make the chocolate cake, right? It's all or nothing. If I forget to put that little yellow stuff on before I like do my incision, right? Then you get an infection. It didn't matter that I did everything else right. You got an infection. When we knew you had to put the yellow stuff on, you just didn't have a system in place to facilitate us checking that. And, you know, I do like getting back to like the labor shortage because I feel so much for restaurants because I used to run a restaurant many, many, many years ago. And, you know, people would show up, you'd create a schedule. They might be like, oh, okay, well, I need to switch with this person. But half the time they'd figure it out themselves because they they knew somebody had to be there because Sarah and I were at a restaurant in Phoenix and the service was kind of slow, but you know, we were cool. We were fine waiting. It was great food, great restaurant. And the owner himself came out and he was like, you know, I'm sorry, three people didn't show up today and three servers not showing up in a restaurant on one day. You can't keep up. It it takes the quality. It takes the service. It takes, but the fact that he came out, it was the personal touch that was like, he knew there were problems and he was willing to accept ownership and accept responsibility. And I think, you know, running a restaurant's hard. So I can see how people really go to your solutions because just inventory, like the shortages, all of that. So what, who do you think does it really well in the restaurant industry? Yeah, my clients. <laughs> no, but like for real, like I think the people that are adopting our technology or our competitors' technology, they are on the cutting edge of where this is going. Once again, our biggest competitor is paper. It's the red book. It's literally that spiral bound book that you ordered and got three months in advance and you would fill out. Like that's still probably 75% of the marketplace is using some form of paper or not doing anything at all. So it is the chains like, you know, Qdoba, Denny's, Pop Belly, these are all like full chains that are using our platform to manage our business. And they're seeing math. I mean, we generate ROIs that you wouldn't even believe because A, we're not that expensive, like in the scheme of things, but B, because if you have a thousand locations and they're doing something that costs you $3 a day and I can fix that, well, that's not $3 a day, that's $3,000 a day, right? Like, so you can see ROIs just going into the thousands of percents because we can affect stuff across the entire chain. And that's, that's like very exciting for us. You have something that I run across that interests me. It's thermal works, which is infrared thermometers, devices, probes, new Bluetooth touch forehead thermometers. Is this something that you're using in your as part of your software management tool? Or is this yeah. just like a partner to help enhance the health side, the health insurance side of stuff? 
it's more like food safety, but they did come out with a head scanner that was thermo infrared too for like during the pandemic, you know, when we were all checking everyone's thermometer. Yeah. But yeah, it's mostly for food safety. We're opening up our ecosystem here a little bit. We're adding, we've added sensors. We've added these Bluetooth thermometers. That's more on the restaurant side. We're working with robot people now. Like in the future of multi-location management, you're going to have sort of five main data streams coming in. The internet, the point of sale system, robots, sensors, and humans. And they're all going to be capturing data in your business. And then what we hope to be in the future is the business logic engine that's taking all that data in, processing it, and then telling humans and robots, go do something, right? Because that's going to be the future of work as we start to automate out more jobs, right? Or more tasks. I wouldn't say jobs, tasks. So, you know, everything that's connected that's going to be automating, we'll be pushing data back somewhere. And we're trying to position ourselves as the platform that can capture all that data, analyze it in real time, you know, and then say, hey, go take some action, right? Because only humans and robots can take action. And so like in my like dream world, someone would walk out of a restaurant and go, their bathroom was a dumpster fire. And within five or 10 minutes on like Twitter, I would be able to capture that data and then have somebody go check the bathroom because that's what people do. They don't tell, nobody wants to have a confrontation. I don't want to go tell the manager unless I'm super pissed off. Something was wrong. They just get on Facebook or Twitter and go, that place was horrible. And that happens immediately. And it's out there forever, right? Come searchable, it's indexed. So, like, that's why like surveys are like wonky. You know what I mean? Because people yeah. don't want to, no one has a confrontation. They've already made their mind up. I'm not coming back. So, they say people don't fill out the surveys unless they're mad. Like, you're more likely to fill out a survey if you're angry than if you're happy with something. You fill it out when you're happy. It's because it's your friend or your kid. And you're like, hey, Tommy was the best server ever. Give him a thumbs up because he'll get 25 bucks or something, you know? <laughs> It's, it's kind of like, you know, you look at Uber, you have those five stars, right? Yeah. To where you give somebody and it's, it's an incentive for them to give people the props they deserve for doing their job. I mean, yeah. nothing's perfect. I mean, is there anything you guys make? Like, so you've had this company for eight years now, correct? Yep. Have you like, are there any companies you could talk to us about? Like, Clients and companies, we've really seen a huge difference. You've really seen a turnover. Yeah, I mean, it just depends because they all, it's kind of like an Excel in the respect of it can be whatever you want it to be. So it really depends on how the companies are utilizing it to manage their business, right? Some of my companies are really focused on those daily checklists and the food safety aspects of things and being able to prove that they are really safe and then they're not going to end up like a Chipotle or someone like that with a major nightmare story. And I have other clients that are like utilizing it more for above store management and just trying to get those guys, which they all have to be more effective. We're saving like one company $10,000 a month, like across their chain for just making the managers make sure everybody's punched out on time. Like it's such a stupid little thing, but like they're saving $10,000 a month. That's like free money. It's 120K a year, free profits by just being able to hold people accountable to just make sure everyone's punched out on time. But that's one question that does that. So one question, which is now take a picture of the register that show everybody's punched out is saving that company $120,000 a year and overpaying people for work they didn't do, right? 
So Matt, that's one question on one checklist. So when you really can start to dial in on your business and start looking at the places where you're, you have a process that's just not working, you can create those ROIs like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and that's, that's a huge insane. savings for a restaurant. 120 K yeah. a year is huge. Yeah. I mean, everybody yeah. thinks, Oh, restaurants make so much money, but like, you know, they don't yeah. really, you know, restaurants, racehorses and films are like the worst investments. <laughs> racehorses and films. Oh, my God. That's or films awesome. about racehorses where you own the racehorses in the film. They're even worse. Yes. <laughs> that, that's for operations. That's the handling. That's the handling that with PETA. I do think this makes sense. I mean, I love when companies come in and they really learn how to lean into technology to better the customer experience. And I think that's what it's all about. It's a customer experience, that engagement. And I feel like a lot of companies, yeah, there's a lot of reasons, one, one reason why companies shut down. But I feel like things that are out of our control, we can't control. But I feel like people need to understand customers have to feel like they're the customer, they're important, and they need to have a good experience. And I mean, I'm not going to get mad if I see a name tag on the ground at Macy's or Bloomingdale's, wherever. Yeah. It doesn't bother me. What bothers me is when you're in your peak hours and you're walking around the entire floor, third floor, Bergdorf's or wherever, and there's no salespeople and you're dropping clothes everywhere, speaking from experience. I mean, I do back, you know, so I just feel like there is only so much we could do with technology. It's really, I mean, I always feel it comes down to human connections and really making somebody feel they're important. Like, you know, to Marjorie's point, in this restaurant we were at, we knew they were short. We knew as soon as we sat down, it was going to be a long wait and kind of a clunky evening. But the and the owner did come out and he made sure he shook hands and chatted with everybody he did have a super cute dog and gave us free homemade chocolate chip cookies so nice. i kind of forgave the lateness with that he just he went out of his way authentically and very humbly apologized took ownership and made it right we didn't care that we had an extra weight we were kind of happy we we didn't think about walking oh my god the worst service we're not going to tip them this was horrible we're like oh my god we need to come back here top down was amazing i think that rule has got to be no matter how big or how small your company is, you still have to understand your role as a CEO or a leader or an owner of the importance of customer interaction. I think a lot of people do skip or miss that because they get too big. They got too many layers of people between them and the ground and they really lose the importance of the customer or the fan base, whatever it is. And the technology isn't meant to replace the employees, right? Because most of the restaurants, at least in the restaurant industry, but most of these businesses are understaffed anyways. But what it's really about is making it's making it easier and less stressful on the employee to do a great job. Like we're facilitating a better job because we're taking the guesswork out of running that shift. You don't have to remember. You don't have to walk around the kitchen looking at all these pieces of paper and like this piece of cellophane. You have a, a, an app on your phone or your tablet and it just simply goes, check this, check that, do this, do that and get it done by this time. And by the way, if you just do that, you know, like your customer satisfaction goes through the roof. Denny's is one of our clients and they did like a study and they looked at the restaurants that were doing their checklist the best in our system versus the restaurants that were doing the checklist the worst. I mean, they just weren't getting them done. And the customer satisfaction difference was 89%. 
The restaurants that did their checklist the best were 89% higher customer sat than the restaurants that did them the worst. Why? Because they just weren't the death by a thousand cut things. They just, they checked that there was soap in the bathroom. Like once again, none of these things are generally that big of a deal if it was just one thing. But then you also will notice too, when you go and have a bad experience, it's not one thing, it's 50 things that were wrong. And that's what caused it to be bad. Oh, I was like at a restaurant. I remember somebody forgot to turn on the fryer, which yeah. people were like, somebody else did it. And then you think about any restaurant that doesn't use its fryer and they take a while to heat up. Like they're the huge ones. So oh, yeah. once that happens, your waitress, everybody takes it out on the waitress, which I think is so unfair because they hustle or the yeah. waiters hustle. And it's always, always the front facing people who have to deal. And I think that's why it's so hard nowadays, because people are like, especially in L.A., it's like, I don't want to get yelled at it every day for stuff that's not my fault. So a checklist or just processes that you don't have to think about. I think that's really how wonderful your software is. Well, yeah, and that's exactly it, right? Like, yeah, you missed the fryer. Well, that means that your entire first group of tape, like that one thing reverberates through your sales. That cuts your third turn, right? Because your first turn is going to sit an extra 15 minutes because they can't get fries out of the fryer, right? So then that turn is going to be your 15 minutes longer, which means your second turn will be bleeding into the 12 o'clock hour and you won't get your third turn. That can cut hundreds of dollars in sales off your restaurant for that one little thing. The same thing too, no one thawed the burger patty. So now the cook time on every burger is five or six minutes versus three minutes. That pushes ticket times out, right? Like, and all these things are things that they knew they needed to do. They just didn't have a system that reminded them to go check that it was done. You know what I mean? Once again, it's never something, it's very rarely something huge. You know, it, most of the times it's a little things, but they all add up. But that's what they say. Sometimes it's the little things that makes the big difference. And and yeah. I get it. We have so much clutter and paper. We're all trying to streamline digital mobile apps. We don't want piles of paper. I believe for the sake of this podcast, there are some times that paper and posty notes do <laughs> make a difference in somebody's life. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, I'm always a big believer that sometimes you do got to write thank you. I appreciate you on a postie because oh, yeah. you made the effort to write it out and took your time because that person was important to you. But I do agree with you. I do think technology is critical. I don't think technology should be used in the capacity when you need to have a hard conversation that's got to be face to face to say, hey, you've messed up. Here's why I want you to be better. Here's the tools you need to learn to be better. I, I do agree. It's a hybrid of leadership using tech to streamline, to manage better customer service. But then that comes down to also, you treat your customers like human beings. You got to treat your employees like they're human beings as well. Absolutely. Have you guys read the adaptation advantage? And I haven't finished it because I kind of got bored about a third of the way through. <laughs> but, but I find that true in most business books. The first third's like really impactful and the next yeah. third. It's like, okay, you're just reiterating the first mm-hmm. third. And I, I, you know, I got it. But they're all talking about like all this technology. It's not about replacing people's jobs. It's about, it's about just giving them the systems and the tools to be better at their jobs. And that's exactly what we are. Like we're taking human activity and we're turning it into data in a database, right? And that's an insanely, that's the craziest thing. Like it's easy to get a sensor to do that. It's easy to have like a, 
a POS to do that. But like, we're taking like, Hey, did you check this thing into now it's a one or a zero in the database? It's kind of what makes us. Well, it's, it's productivity. You're, you're, you're turning human hours into productivity and time right. is money. So when I always say sometimes this is not productive, this is a waste of my time. 20 emails later, pick up the phone and talk to me, you know, <laughs> yeah. because it's just easier. I have 25 Excel sheets and everything's over the board. And I'm Marjorie and I, Marjorie's laughing because we just dealt with this. The productivity of our time and hours wasted on something that we had to deal with on a third party. It, it was ridiculous. Ridiculous on a client side because the time is money. And, you know, I, as a PR firm, we're on retainers. As an attorney, you bill hourly. And if I calculate how much time and money and energy was wasted, things should have been more streamlined and easier. But we didn't have a productivity system to handle this one particular issue. We were just emails, Excel sheets. I mean, it, well, they didn't, the vendor didn't have a productivity. Yeah. yeah like we were the client. So, it, it was different. Mind blowing if we would have had if they if they as the vendor would have been more streamlined, smarter to bring in the technology needed, we would have probably saved gosh, I 120 emails, five, 10, 15 minutes in an email, conversations between the two of us, hours, hours, calls. I mean, can you imagine the time and money we would save to go to what we need to if we all had a better productivity guideline blueprint? And I'm not saying us, it's the companies who don't understand they're wasting our time to make things happen for them. That's the difference that I cannot understand how people are not connecting the dots on that. Well, and you really don't have a business if you don't have processes and systems that are scalable. Like, like you don't actually have a business. You have a cult of personality and people pay you to do stuff. But until you actually have systems and processes in place and it can run when you're on vacation, you don't have a business. And our clients... They do the same thing every day, 363 days a year. We make egg McMuffins and we do that all morning, right? And so like they know already what they need to go do. They've already identified it. They've already systematized it. Now it's just about holding people accountable to following the system. And that's the biggest flaw of the paper training model. You know, you'll have these training people and they'll go out and they'll do all this new training and everyone will pass the test and they'll do meetings and then nobody changes their behavior. So you got nothing out of it. Like you felt good. Hey, we feel good. We did something, but we didn't actually like move the needle. Right. Whereas that's what we're about. We're about changing the process and then holding people accountable to actually doing the new process. Right. Because that's, you obviously switch processes for a reason. So why don't we follow the new one? You know? Oh my God. I it's so it was so good having you on this call. I just feel like our whole day today was all about was a big all our podcast today was like one big learning. I feel like I've been in a classroom all day with Marjorie, learning about, you know, AI security, you know, chat GPT, you know, authentication to like how to manage your company. It's been such a tremendous podcast with you because I feel like this was just, I feel like we're the ones interviewing you guys having fun. But I feel like today was more like, I feel like I was in the classroom all day today, Marjorie, kind of sort of without the crayons and the note passing. Yeah, learned a lot, learned a lot today. I, I did pass one note today <laughs> saying thank you. Oh my God, Tommy, you are awesome to talk to. How can people, where can we send them? How can companies find you? Sure. If you want to learn more about our platform, and by the way, my role now in our company a lot is to figure out 
new verticals and new applications. So I'm dying to talk to people who are struggling with a business operations issue because maybe I can help, maybe I can't, maybe I can pass it on to somebody else. So I really do encourage people, please reach out because I would love to meet you and understand what you're trying to fix. And if I can help you, great. Or I did workflow before this, so I might have other solutions for you. And you can come to the opsanalytica.com and just get on the chat and just schedule some time and I'll come, we'll meet. Or you can hit me up on LinkedIn. That's kind of my big social media where I do most social media stuff. Perfect. Oh my God, Tommy, so good having you on this afternoon. I know you're up in Denver and it's a little bit later, so we're going to let you go. Keep us posted. We are going to know every time we walk into a Target or the Grover somewhere, I'm like, Marjorie, let's check out customer service. Let's see what they're doing. Let's see how streamlined the operations are. But it is, it is important. I'm super glad that you had the time to come on and share all this with us. I do think we overlook this part of business from an owner and from a consumer standpoint all the time, which is also why I think a lot of people are rude and testy because they're already upset. They're already mad. So going into a bad experience just aggravates the situation. This is such a good thing to know about to quell customer relation issues on site and everything. So I mean, tremendous talking to you. And I love that you've had this company for eight years. Thank you so much. It was so good having you on. Thank you for taking the time. Marjorie, it's been so fun being in school with you today. I know. We got educated. <laughs> this is Sarah Miller, Marjorie DeHay with Tommy Nolas. Thank you so much. And we'll see everybody next week. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Axis Effect podcast. If you don't want to miss an episode or download past episodes, be sure to subscribe to the Axis Effect podcast on your favorite podcast provider. To learn more about the podcast or our guests, please visit theaxiseffect.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>